Broadcasting live from the R&R Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Yeah, you definitely have um, Gus's disciples at, at all three levels, backhand, linebackers, and the D-line. And it's just, um, it's really cool to see, like, how successful, everywhere Gus has gone, he's been successful. And for him to come here and have the same successful start in the endless 2-0 start, is really cool to see. I love the way this defense plays, play fast. This defense play is very confident. And you see, like, there's, there's not too many mistakes out there because what we do is we prepare like no other, and we just able to play fast. And so to see Gus and uh, with his play calling with these guys, it's, it's really fun to see. That is Raiders linebacker K.J. Wright talking uh, really just a little while ago uh, over at the practice facility uh, in Henderson, talking about Gus Bradley. Uh, the Raiders' new defensive coordinator, the first-year defensive coordinator. K.J. played with him uh, back in uh, 2011. I think his first two years were played under Gus Bradley with the Seattle Seahawks. That was the beginning of the Legion uh, of Boom. And, you know, Lincoln, um, and by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Wednesday. Lincoln, I wrote in the Las Vegas Review Journal, I cover the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal, um, you know, Gus Bradley coming into this season was set up to be almost a hero uh, to some extent. Now, obviously, it had to work out on the football field, and it still has to work out from this point forward. But the way this defense is playing under Gus Bradley, under his assistants, Ron Milas and Richard Smith and, and Rod Marinelli and everybody else, I think fans are starting to realize the NFL is starting to realize really what kind of an effect the presence of a new coach can have on one side of the football. And yes, obviously players come into mind, but you can make an argument and make a, a strong case that Casey Hayward is here because of Gus Bradley. You can make a case that KJ Wright is here because of Gus Bradley. Maybe Unique Ngakwe is. Uh, some of these newcomers that have had a history with Gus Bradley could be here specifically because of Gus Bradley. So between what he brings to the table and then his ability to, to identify talent and bring talent in, it's just had such a positive effect. And I think people are really starting to see that now. When you have a familiarity with the system, you're able to play faster. As we talked about yesterday, most of it's mental. The confidence, the understanding of where you need to be, how, what you need to do and your responsibilities on any given play allows you to play faster. The more muscle memory that you have, uh, the better you are, or off you are. One of the things that I appreciated about Gruden's offensive system as an offensive lineman is it was incredibly simplistic. I mean, 95% of the time I had the end. I didn't have to think. Right. 90, you mean so, so when you went out there, you went fast because you knew what you were supposed to do all the time. With that being said, to your point, you know, when you have a system or you're familiar with the system, you're familiar with the way a guy calls, you know, defenses or, or an, an understanding a system, you're allowed to free to, to, to do more things, to look for more things, to be more adept to where you're at, the space that you're at and your responsibilities because you, know you know what your responsibilities are. So, yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think he does have something to do with that. You know, when you talk about his system uh, or John Gruden's system uh, was so much easier to digest and understand uh, and really execute, and, and players are saying the same thing about Gus Bradley, why do coaches then 
overthink it so much to to create systems and schemes uh, and playbooks that are just way too deep, way too thick, way too intensive, uh, and end up having an adverse effect on their players rather than a positive one. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there are a lot of people who overthink things. They always try to reinvent the will. I mean, it's very simple. This game is very simple. You know, you move the ball and you score, and you, you score points to have more points than the other team. Defense, you're supposed to stop them, get stops. If you understand what the offense can do or what they're capable of, then you find ways to stop it. But I've also believed that coaching at its best is when you utilize a player's abilities and, and you create a system that best utilizes their abilities. Does that make sense? Yeah, without question. Yeah. Uh, and we, it, it should not never be lost as well that uh, as good as Gus Bradley's scheme uh, is, as good as the teaching is, and I'm a firm believer that the teaching of – uh, the system, the the coaching up of the players, and and the play calls on Sunday uh, are hugely important. But it sure is uh, much better when it's KJ Wright and Denzel Perryman and Casey Hayward uh, out there rather than Nevin Law. You know, I I won't, I won't throw anybody uh, under the bus, but but play other players, lesser players. So it's kind of a marriage of both concepts where you have. Um, a really respected defensive mind and, and, a, and a bunch of great assistant coaches teaching things and overseeing things when it also includes better players. Well, I remember. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, Denzel Perryman has been the sort of the quarterback of the defense. He's been that middle linebacker with the, the, the dot on the back of his helmet. And he's been the, the go-to guy when he went out in Pittsburgh, you know, KJ Wright stepped in. You, you have that luxury playing with Corey Littleton. You have that luxury because they're both familiar with the system and they understand it. You know, that's a good and thing. yeah, no, no doubt about it. And and you know, talent also is important. I'll never forget Doc Rivers talking about how you know when he was the coach of the Celtics, they had a bad year one year, and the very next year they bring in Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett and Adam to Paul Pierce and everyone else that they brought in, and all of a sudden they're the NBA champions. And he's like, I'm not calling any plays differently uh, this year compared to last year. It's just that this year it's KJ. Or K, K, you know, uh, uh, Kevin Garnett last year is Brian Scalabrini. So you know, talent has obviously is the ultimate, um, you know, uh, cherry on top. But but when you do get good coaching and positive coaching and good teaching, you're also going to to, to see the results. And thus far, you've certainly seen that from uh, the, the, the Raiders' defense. Um, all right, to some news. Uh, Derek Carr was a full participant. It was only a walkthrough uh, today, so um, you know, keep that in mind. But he was out there. He was a full participant. Um, he told us today that he's of the mindset that he's playing. Period. That was a de- determination <laughs> that he made almost immediately after he jumped off, jumped up off the field after getting hurt uh, in Pittsburgh. We'll talk about that. The mindset uh, that's required and and the direction that your mind takes you when you are affirmative about something rather than wishy-washy about something, you generally end up uh, where you're determined to go uh, in, in that regard. And there's a lot to, to be said uh, about that. Uh, so Derek Carr, good to go uh, on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, two of the, the the Dolphins quarterback has been ruled out with fractured ribs. Uh, that means Jacoby uh, Brissett will get the start for the Miami Dolphins. I wouldn't sleep on the Dolphins. I think the Raiders are the better team, especially with um, uh, the backup quarterback in there for the Dolphins. But don't forget, this Dolphins defense came in last year 
uh, and did a number on this Raiders offense. Yes, the Raiders should have won that game. They took the lead with 19 seconds left, handed it over to their defense. The Miami Dolphins had the ball starting at their own 25-yard line, no timeouts. The defense wasn't able to uh, secure that win. Fitzpatrick came in off the bench, and there was some magic. Arden Key with a bonehead play. We all know what happened. But from the first quarter to, to even that point, this Dolphins team gave the Raiders offense a lot of trouble. Uh, that's why it was as close as it was uh, to begin with. So I wouldn't sleep on on the Dolphins uh, at all. Richie Incognito, once again, did not practice. Um, it's now been almost exactly, a, well, actually more than a month now, a month and a week since we last saw um, Richie Incognito on a practice field that was in Thousand Oaks, California against the Rams. Uh, he suffered a quad injury um, or a calf injury and has not been seen since. I'm growing a little bit um, dubious on uh, when or if we're, we're really going to see Richie Incognito again, which begs the question, why wasn't he put on injury reserve three weeks ago? Because uh, he's already lost, you know, missed the three games or will miss the three games, it looks like, um, that he would have missed had he been put on IR. In the meantime, he's taken up a roster space. So, and those are, are, are pretty hard to come by. Uh, and, you know, we'll see if, if he goes on IR at any time soon. If he does, then he's going to miss three more games, guaranteed, uh, or at the very minimum. So not quite sure what's going on with Richie Incognito. Uh, but the fact that he hasn't practiced in a month and we haven't seen him or heard from him, kind of concerned about that. Uh, Alex Leatherwood was a full participant today. Uh, he had the back injury against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, it was only a walkthrough, but it sounds promising, Lincoln, that he's going to be out there as well. And I think this offensive line, the best uh, tonic for this offensive line, which has not played uh, great by any stretch of the imagination, but I think to get it on track and to get it where it needs to be, these guys, whoever it is, whether it's Richie Incognito or just the guards that they have in there right now, they need playing time together, or, uh, uh, Lincoln. Yeah, that's exactly right. They need playing time, and they need full speed. I mean, look, walkthroughs are one thing. Practice is another thing. Um, this team has not had the luxury of being that full, you know, full team since before the, the Ravens game, to be honest with you, coming out of, coming out of the, the preseason. Um, but for the most part, you know, for what it's worth, this, this offensive line has not played together in, in whole. Um, until probably the last game, the first half of the last game, because you remember that uh, that uh, that Leatherwood didn't finish in the second half. So, um, yeah, when it comes to things like the running game, the timing, and just overall you know, general pass protection, especially blitz knowledge and understanding, you need you need snaps together. And this Dolphins defense is no slouch. Uh, Ooh, it's good. creative. It's dynamic. <laughs> um, I know they gave up a bunch of points last week uh, against the Buffalo Bills, who were uh, kind of licking their wounds after getting beat by the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in the season opener. So the Buffalo Bills had something, uh, a little something for the Miami Dolphins coming off that loss. Um, and so it was kind of a collective letdown in, uh, you know, across the board for, for, for uh, the Dolphins. But there's a lot of things that the Dolphins like to do. They've got a lot of good defensive players. I think Brian Flores is an excellent defensive coach. Uh, we'll see if he ever gets it together offensively with the Dolphins. But they present challenges, and especially to an offensive line that's still working out on the kinks, I would imagine. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, they've got a they've got a, de- a defense, and uh, most notably, you know, Ogba, one of their defensive ends, is a pretty good standout end who knows how to get some rush on the quarterback. So, um, when you look at it, there there are no slouch. This is a team that you should take seriously, and I know the Raiders will, but you can't overlook just because they're, they're they don't have their quarterback. Um, you know, I don't want you to. Uh, uh, I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable position here uh, whatsoever, but. You know, from your experience, let's put it that way, from your experience with Richie Incognito, I mean, you know, it's uh, – are, are, should we be concerned? Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, that's – okay. I, I, I said this to you uh, yesterday. I, I would be surprised if he plays this season. I think Richie Incognito was brought as a insurance policy, almost like a security blanket. Because they believed that John Simpson was going to be ready, okay, or Lester mm-hmm. Cotton. They believed they had another option. They did not intend – obviously, no one intends on you losing a guy for the year when Denzel good. So they honestly felt that, you know what, we'll keep Richie as an insurance policy. But when he didn't play in the first game, I, I, I had my, my doubts. Didn't play now, I, I still have my doubts. The, the fact that – He's still, you know, on the injury list with the, the calf injury. Okay. He didn't play in preseason. He's been limited practice. I don't have the confidence he's going to play at all. Yeah, and uh, that, that, that's un- unfortunate. I, I think that I, – I, I agree with you. I think they um, – I think there, there was some insurance policy to him. But I also felt like um, – I also felt like with a young center – making his first, basically becoming a starter for the first time. Uh, a rookie right tackle. I know it's on the other side, so it wouldn't have necessarily been him. Uh, but I think for that center and a and, and, and Denzel Good, you know, really becoming a starter, for the a full-time starter for the first time in his career, Richie Incognito was a steadying force uh, on that offensive line. And I also think his presence... Uh, as a run blocker and the dynamic that he brings in the, in the run game was something that they were kind of counting on. And, you know, so uh, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that it hasn't worked out. Um, I, I do wonder, it seems like they're holding out hope though, Lincoln, because if they didn't, he would have already been put on IR. I, yeah. I mean, but again, we're going into week three. doesn't look like he's practicing. He didn't practice today. Did he? You said he didn't no. practice. No, oh, he didn't right. practice, and, and here's, here's a key to the whole thing, something worth watching. Um, if they put him on IR at any point, when it, you know, if they put him, let's say tomorrow, they, they, they decide, you know, we're, put, we're putting Richie Incognito uh, on, on IR. If they put him on IR tomorrow, he would only, he would miss the next three games, which this game wouldn't be included. So the Dolphins game, the Chargers game, and what is it, the Denver Broncos after that, I think. Or Chicago Bears, somebody. Uh, it's it's three games. Right. If they put, but if they wait until after Sunday to put him on IR, then it'll be another complete three games that he'll miss because three games will have already gone. So it'll be the next three games that he that he would miss. And that's the thing. Like if they think that he's actually, if they if they believe that he's going to play at some point between now and the next three weeks. Then he's not going to go on IR, uh, uh, obviously, and that's what makes me believe that they 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 do think there's a chance that he's going to be able to get on the field. Because if not, that's 
then just go ahead and put him on IR. And if he ever becomes ready, you can always pull him off. There's no rules anymore in terms of you have to miss the full season or you have to miss eight games. The only rule is you have to miss the the next three games, whatever those three games are, from the moment you go on uh, IR. So I don't know. I, I While I'm dubious that he does ever come back, the, the, what the Raiders are doing and how they're handling it indicates some sense of hope um, and belief, I should say, that he is going to come back. Otherwise, he's just wasting a roster spot. They're not going to keep him on um, the active roster all year and keep and, and take that 53rd spot on the roster the entire year if they if, if they truly believe that he's not going to be able to play. Again, you're more hopeful than I am. <laughs> but then what? That, then I guess the question is, why don't? Then why are they wasting a roster spot on somebody? I, that I don't know. I mean, I don't know why he's still on the roster now if he hasn't played. Only, well, only. I mean, you can, you can. So I would probably assume that if he was, if he was, if, if it was needed, if he needed to play, he could probably play. Is that is that what we're thinking? Um. Well, I mean, he's needed to play. <laughs> well, know? I mean, that's what. So, I mean, why isn't he playing then? Because they think that he is going to be able. To, I, I think he, uh, a to start. You know, after after the rosters cleared, after the final cuts, after you got down to your fifty-three man roster, um, they could have put him on an IR right then, and he would have missed the next three games, which would have been you know Ravens, Steelers the Dolphins okay but they Mm -hmm. didn't which indicated some belief that he was going to be back within those three weeks do you understand like like they don't want to lose him for all three games um by putting him on on IR so they think that there's a hope anyway that he'll be back before those three games Mm -hmm. well it doesn't look like that's going to happen so now the decision is okay do you put him on IR now which would mean he would miss the next three games and I guess right now at least anyway there seems to be some hope that no, he'll be back before the next three games have elapsed either. So that you know, otherwise, again, to me, he'd be on the IR right now. Right. But there, there is some sort of a, and I, I'll say this: this, you know, uh, almost the same exact situation unfold did unfold last year with the Achilles injury, um, and they were holding out hope, and he was doing everything he could to get back at some point last season. But then it became a point where. It's not working. None of the remedies are working. None of the rest. None of the rehab. It's not having the desired effect. It's time to go have the surgery, and that's that for this season. So it could very well come to that point, and maybe it's more likely than not that it does, but the fact that it hasn't yet shows that John Gruden and and Richie and, and the Raiders medical staff feels like there's still a chance you're going to come back. So, so let's not overreact and put you on IR and lose you for another three games uh, after this. Now, having said that, they probably should have put him on IR to begin the year. This way he wasn't taking up a roster spot um, for these first three games. Now, I will say this also. The rules are a little bit different right now, Lincoln, mm-hmm. where you, know, you have that 46-man playing roster, game day roster, but remember, it can go to 48 now. You can bring guys up from your practice squad to go from 46 to 48. The caveat is, in order to do that, in order to have that flexibility, you have to suit up eight offensive linemen. That's why we're seeing some of these offensive linemen coming up from the practice squad. Uh, to, you know, they, they get promoted on Saturday before the Sunday game. It's because they're allowed to go to 48 
while also keeping eight offensive linemen. It's confusing a little bit, <laughs> uh, but if you read it, you'll understand. Otherwise, you have to dress out 46 players. So while he is taking a roster spot, there are mechanisms in place so that they can ele- they can they can make sure that they have the necessary amount of offensive linemen on a game to game basis because you could go to 48 now from the 46. So. Yeah. But you know, I, I it would be great if Richie Incognito can come back because I think he I think he makes a difference when he's healthy and when he's right. He does, especially you know, especially in that run game. And and you know, maybe you could shed a little bit of light on what is happening with that run game. I get it that Josh Jacobs isn't there, and that's a huge piece of the puzzle. That's a huge puzzle piece uh, for that run game. But even when he was in there on Monday night, it didn't look like uh, it was it was you know hit, hitting on full throttle. Well, I mean, the short answer is it's not it's not the running back's fault. The offensive line has not done a good job at winning the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk yeah, about it on the other side. Did you did you watch the Monday night game, Detroit and, and Green Bay? I did. Yes. Okay. If if well, I mean, it's kind of hard to describe, but you know what? Look, I'll I'll explain better on the other side. No, we got up against the break. I'll explain I am looking forward to that. Okay. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're going to go into Doctor Lincoln's lab uh, and get some offensive line uh, knowledge when we come back. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 9:20 a.m. on a th- Wednesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Vinny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Hey, just a reminder, uh, I will be at uh, the Treasure Island on Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, over uh, at the Golden Circle Sportsbook. So uh, if you're in town, come join us. Uh, great place, great food, great drinks, all sorts of TVs to watch uh, everything that's going on. Lots of college football now on Fridays and baseball coming down the home stretch. Uh, so fun times over at uh, the Golden Sportsbook uh, at the Treasure Island, and also Saturday, the day before uh, the Raiders play the Miami Dolphins over at Allegiant Stadium, beginning at 5 o'clock. Uh, I'll be over at um, the uh, Rockstar Bar and Grill um, over on Las Vegas Boulevard. It's the day before uh, get-together, uh, so uh, let's go Let's meet up again, just like we did uh, on Sunday night a couple of weeks ago, which was fabulous, by the way. I had a lot of fun meeting everybody and talking to everybody. Uh, it's just a great way to, uh, to to get together, talk Raider football. If you guys have any questions, um, you know the whole drill. We'll have music and uh, a DJ, and, and, and they're going to have giveaways and all that sort of stuff, uh, just like they did uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, so join us uh, over at the Rockstar Bar and Grill, uh, and let's have some fun the day before the Raiders play the Miami Dolphins over at Legion Stadium. Uh, Lincoln, you were mentioning um, some offensive line uh, knowledge or getting ready to drop some offensive line knowledge uh, on us. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to let you uh, have the floor. Well, let me – it's it's kind of difficult when you don't have a visual. But we're on radio, yeah. so we have to do what we do. So I yeah. want I want you to imagine – you said you watched the um, the the Monday night game, the, the Lions versus the Packers, right? Did, yes. you, did you notice how the successful the running game was for the Lions, especially in the first half, when they were when they were where they were controlling the line of scrimmage? Imagine a line of scrimmage. Any time you get defensive penetration, it'll disrupt the run. 
unless that's what you're calling for, like a trap or, um, or, or a kickout block or something like that. You want somebody or a draw, you know, you want to try to confuse them. But most of the runs that the Raiders do are either stretch runs or what we call man blocking runs. Power, you have a double team at the point of attack, you have a kickout block, you have a lead, uh, lead lineman to, to lead up in the hole to lead the running back. That, that's man blocking. The problem with the Raiders right now, and it's happened, it happened especially last week in the, in the game, is that the guards are not, and the guards in the center, the interior part, are not winning the line of scrimmage. They're not controlling the line of scrimmage. They're allowing too much penetration. When they get pushed in the backfield, it makes the back cut before he really wants to. And that's why that's no good. So that's why a lot of those runs don't go for, don't go for much. Um, does that, does that make sense to you? Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, what do they need to do now to fix it? Well, I mean, it's just timing. It's it's one. First of all, you gotta. It's not about hitting a sled. It's about going up against somebody full speed. You got to get used to doing it. You got to play with a lower center of gravity. Both Illuminor as well as Simpson have got to play with a lower center, and Andre James, for that matter, have got to play with a lower sense of gravity. Uh, and they got to drop it down and got to get their pads under pads. You can't be too high because when you're too high, the defense linemen, especially like Cameron Hayward and those guys, will push you back. Right, absolutely. Uh, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation uh, guest line and welcome in a good friend of both of ours, uh, Lincoln, uh, none other than Paul Gutierrez. Uh, he covers the Raiders um, for the for ESPN, does a fantastic job, has been doing it a long time. Uh, also co-author with uh, Lincoln Kennedy uh, on a great new book uh, called If These Walls Could Talk. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. How are you doing today? Do Paul, are you there? Paul. Paul. He didn't want to talk to me. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> no, we're going to work on getting Paul no. back. Uh, so if Damon can give us a word when, uh, when, when, when Paul comes back. Um, but uh, before that, we're going to go out. We're going to try to, uh, we're getting a dial tone. <laughs> Somebody didn't play their bill. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jamon, can we do something about the... Uh-oh. <laughs> well, I can't hear anything. You hear a dial tone? I'm getting a, um, just a, a yeah, kind of like oh, okay. a... Busy signal, I should yeah, I don't say. Get, I don't have anything in my ear. All right, hang on. Only you, second. just you. That could be the case. Uh, so I'm going to uh, work uh, through it. Um, you know, when it comes to the offensive line, and I think that's where Richie Incognito was so uh, critical, or could still be critical, uh, Lincoln, in, in terms of the timing mechanism and, and getting guys uh, together. But, but you know, the, the other uh, uh, truth of the matter is, it's just really difficult when your two starting guards go down. Uh, with, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. No, no, no. They're not making excuses. You're absolutely right. It is difficult when your starting guards go down because for what it was worth, I mean, I appreciated Denzel Good. I watched him last year. I thought he was a road grader. I was really looking forward to him and Alex Leatherwood, who had another one road grader. And what I mean by road grader is that they're good at run blocking. They're, they're, they're effective at run blocking. Um, um, and I was looking forward to seeing them because I know Gruden likes to run right. He likes to run things like power. He likes to run stretch. He likes to run bunch crunches and things like that to the right. So I, I know that, that, uh, that would have been a strength in his, in his, uh, offensive arsenal. But now that they're not present, you still have to learn the timing. And I, I don't know enough about Illuminor 
to know, you know, where he came from, what systems he's used to. I mean, there are offensive linemen who are better equated to run a zone system than a man system. Um, if you remember back to the, the, the great, uh, donkey teams, the Bronco teams, and when they were winning Super Bowls, their, their line was very good at zone blocking. San Francisco's line when they were winning championships, very good at zone blocking, area blocking. So that there, there were times, but this is just a, and we're going to talk to Paul right now. So, but I mean, there, it's a lot of work that just has to be done. It's just timing. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, back out to the Raider Nation uh, listener line. We introduced him uh, just a second ago, but Paul Gutierrez, uh, you can follow him at P. Gutierrez ESPN. He is uh, the co-author uh, of If These Walls Could Talk along with Lincoln Kennedy. He also covers the Raiders for ESPN. Paul, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Doing good, doing good. We're talking about, uh, Paul, the offensive line and some of the troubles uh, that they've been going through and you know, kind of trying to talk through what might be going on um, with Richie Incognito. And, you know, he he, ha- he hasn't gone on IR uh, with the new rules. If you go on injury reserve list, you're going to miss three games, whatever the next three games are, uh, if you go on IR. Uh, but here we are heading to week three. He didn't practice again today. It kind of gives the indication that he's probably not going to play uh, on Sunday. So there goes three games that had they put him on IR to begin the year, he would have missed those three games, but he wouldn't be taking up a roster spot. Right. What do you – any thoughts that you have on, on on what might be going on with Richie Incognito and what the thought process might be with the Raiders? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. In, in A couple of weeks ago, we saw him running on the treadmill in the middle of practice. thought, okay, well, he's putting in some work, and then he's keeping his cardio up, and if he's running, then that calf's got to be feeling a lot better. Well, in the times that we've been out of practice, you know, you, you kind of <laughs> – steal a glance into the into the weight room and, and take a look, and I haven't seen him. Um, it, it does make you wonder if at 38 things just are not responding the way they should be or that you hope they can be, or if he had some sort of a setback there. Now, you know, John's not going to get into the specifics of any injuries for any players for, for his own reasons, but, but you do wonder if maybe at, at 38 the body's just not responding the way it, it does. And, and again, I'm not even trying to compare myself to an NFL lineman or anything like that but i did i popped my left calf simply doing a workout uh we were doing like leapfrogs at, for a uh, for uh, a class that i was doing and and uh, i couldn't move for uh three months or so um and and to know that he is you know 300 pounder kind of a guy and putting all that stress and pressure on there i could only imagine how long that's going to take for him to, to heal back from that because just the the, the slight kind of comparative injury that i had uh, it did not feel good. It felt like somebody kicked me right in the calf, and it went out like that. So I was there when he went down in, in uh, at that joint practice with the Rams too, and it didn't look like that big of a deal at the time. But but calves are really really tricky. Oh, uh, real quick, Lincoln, I got to right. just mm-hmm. jump in with one more uh, on that on that note. Um, and and I'm hearing and thinking along the same exact lines that you are. Um, but then why don't put why why don't you put him on IR uh, to to at least um, open up that roster spot? because um, right now he's taking up a roster spot and, and isn't able to play. Yeah, and that's the only thing you can think is that maybe he had some sort of a setback because they were, you know, at one point it's like, okay, two weeks he hasn't practiced, three weeks. I mean, we're looking now at six weeks since that practice when he got hurt in, um, in, uh, at the Rams uh, facility down there. So that's the only thing that can come up to my mind is uh, that, you know, he had some sort of a setback. One Paul, that go ahead, they go don't ahead. think is going to potentially cost him the next three games. That's that's where I'm exactly. like, you know, yeah. like like that's the game that they're playing, and it's it could get complicated at times. But 
um, you know, uh, it's as of right now, he's taking up a roster space and, you know, so we'll see. I think Monday maybe or when they have to make a decision on the next three games, um, we'll probably get some sort of clarity, I would think anyway. Lincoln, sorry about that. No, I was just going to say, Paul, have you, you, see you guys and you and Vinny have seen the new guys, the new additions out of practice. I know we only had a walkthrough with some of them. Or the, the, what have you seen, if anything, from the guys, the other, the new guys? Yeah, and you know, and it's interesting, Lincoln, I actually want to talk to you about it. Is, is it, it looks fairly seamless. I mean, with, with Luminaire going out there and, and, and just basically signing him off the street and putting him in there, now he's a starter. Um, it, that to me shows that, that Tom Cable is either doing his job really, really well, or these guys are just really good at picking up things and, and going. Um, you're right. I mean, we don't really know much about him other than he likes the, the show The Office, and he doesn't know who Ted Lasso is being a guy from England. So <laughs> it, it's, it's interesting that they're able to just kind of plug and play. And I know as an offensive lineman that, that could be taken one of two ways, right? I mean, Right. You don't want to be seen as just a plug and play guy, but hey, if that gets me a job, I'll be a plug and play guy. And um, you know, and I asked Derek Carr about that today: is how does he compartmentalize that? Because these are the guys that are charged with keeping him healthy, keeping him upright, and letting him do what he needs to do. And uh, he he acknowledged that he's so locked in during a game, he looks at the huddle and says, "Oh, so and so's out. You're in here now." And that's how seamless it has been for him, at least through two games. And it also, uh, Lincoln and, and, and Paul, and to the listeners as well, sheds a little bit of light on what a pro personnel department does because there are committed people, committed bodies to having a book, and it's a big book, on pretty much every player in the NFL um, who's, who's crossed their radar or on their radar or crossed their paths or in any extent whatsoever. And so when you see that the Raiders go and sign – uh, you know, like a Jermaine uh, Luminor uh, or, or, or whoever they, they, they do sign, it's because there's people that know about him and understand, you know, it, Lincoln, you were asking, is he a zone blocker or more of a man-to-man guy? All of that information is readily available, and it's the teams that can stay on top uh, of that and be able to jump when the opportunity uh, presents itself or, or uh, a situation determines it. The better pro personnel departments that know who's on what practice squad and what players on any of those practice squads or out on the free agent market can come in and quickly adapt and be an asset. Those are the ones that are uh, worth their weight in gold because you have to get through a season. A lot of times you have to cut, make the kind of moves that the Raiders uh, have, made. So, have made. So a shout out uh, to, to uh, Mike Mayock and, and his crew because that's what they're uh, devoted to. Uh, but that said, Paul, uh, do you feel like there's a commitment and maybe a determination um, to get the running game going. All things considered, no, we, the circumstance taken into account, all of that. Uh, but do you, th- do you feel like this week they're going to try to make a concerted effort to get the uh, running game going? I, I think they have to because, you know, and, and Link, you could, you could speak of this too, John's offense is predicated upon the running game, and, and more so than that, just being balanced. Now, it's nice what Derek's been able to do, and he's thrown off for all these yards. He's leading the NFL in passing. He's, he's thrown for the most yards in franchise history for, for the Raiders' first two games of any season. And, and that's all nice, and they're 2-0 and and everything. But, yeah, they, they want to be balanced. They want to get the running game going. And, and, you know, listening to you, Lincoln, during the game on Sunday, something you said really struck me was, even though the running game wasn't going, John and Derek turned the short to intermediate passing game, stretching the field into their pseudo running game. So mm-hmm. a lot of fans were tweeting at me and saying, oh, this is the Derek Carr of 2016. This is the MVP. 
I sat by and said, mm, I don't know. This kind of looks more like Rich Rich Gannon circa mm-hmm. 2001 mm-hmm. in John's offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Paul. The thing is, is I think that it wasn't like they haven't tried to make an emphasis to get the running. You saw it, you saw it in uh, the, the Baltimore game. You actually saw it in the Pittsburgh game. They were trying. It just wasn't well executed. And look, you got to give your hat, take your hat off to those other guys too, because they get paid on the other side. So, sure. um, you know, it, it is what it is. But you know, if you guys want to r- remind yourself of how how efficient you can do it, use the passing game as a, a sort of a run. Go back to the good old Oregon days, when when uh, Chip Kelly and those guys were going sideline to sideline trying to wear people out. They were using the short passing game and bubble screens and stuff like that to uh, to, to to get to, to, to get yards, get chunks of yards. That's exactly what the Raiders are doing. So I think they're still going to make an effort to run the football, um, but because it's been ineffective so far, you have to have an option to where you can move the ball. And the short passing game is 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 I think is the answer for that right now. Yeah. I agree, uh, and it's if, if you're John Gruden, it sure is nice to have uh, those weapons uh, and that in the playbook to be able to turn to, and so far, so good uh, in terms of that, but I, but I think that, as Paul said, and I know uh, Lincoln agrees with this, they're going to have to run the ball at some point. It's just, it's mm-hmm. just um, how, it, how it is. Uh, but Paul, on the other side uh, of the football, um, you know, I can't tell you uh, how many words we've spent writing and talking mm-hmm about the importance of the Raiders getting a defense that they could rely on. It's literally been right. their Achilles uh, uh, heel these last couple of years, especially last year. Well, after two games, and we kind of had an inkling that it was headed in this, right direct, or this direction, watching OTAs, watching practice, uh, watching them against the Rams uh, in, in those practices up in Thousand Oaks. Uh, but are you surprised at how quickly it seemingly has come together against two pretty good opponents in the Ravens uh, and the Steelers? Yeah, well, given given how poorly the defense has played over the past few years, yeah, to answer the question, yeah, I am a little surprised, but it's also kind of a pleasant surprise, I think, for the Raiders and their fans too, because I think you know, having covering this team, you know, in one way or another since two thousand five, I can't recall the last time heading into a game where I sat back and thought this defense is going to eat on Sunday when it's facing <laughs> this Dolphins offensive line and it's yeah. beat up and all the pressures it gave up and. And Brissett, you know, he's not very good against the rush, and he's pressured all the time. I can't recall the last time I thought that, and that is a testament to how improved this defense is. Again, small sample size, only two games. But what impresses me the most is they're getting that pressure in those two games against two totally different quarterbacks. You know, Lamar Jackson, who's shifty and fast and is his own running back, and the big stationary statuesque Ben Roethlisberger, who took more hits in that game than he had in five years, I believe, and really it was the biggest hit the Raiders have given him since Richard Seymour dropped him with that open hand shot to the face mask a few years back. So that, to me, has been what has been most impressive to me about the defense is the way they've been able to get pressure against two totally different types of quarterbacks. Paul, can you speak to the energy that you've seen out in practice or just being around the team, uh, the, the, the defense that, that Gus Bradley and this staff has brought them? I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen this type of energy. I mean, even when, back when I played, we, we had an okay defense. It wasn't a standout the way these guys are playing the first couple of weeks. Can you speak to that energy or what that new energy that Gus Bradley has brought to them? Yeah, he's brought the energy. He's also brought, as today, I believe Willie Ramirez said, some disciples. <laughs> There's disciples yeah. throughout the defense. And, uh, you know, K.J. Wright, he said himself, yeah, there's disciples on all three levels. You look up front, it's Quentin Jefferson. 
You look in the linebacker core, it's KJ and, and Denzel Perriman. You look in the back, it's Casey Hayward. So you've got those veterans that know this system uh, already. That's good, right? It's, they're going to teach the young guys. Then you've got uh, Max Crosby, who's playing out of his mind, and a lot of it is the clean living. You know, he, he, I did a story a couple weeks ago about how he went to rehab to clean himself up, and he's dedicated himself to cleaner eating and nutrition and things like that, and it's translating onto the field. Yannick Ngakwe, one of the premier, you know, edge rushers in the game. And it all kind of feeds on itself, and it becomes uh, tangible, really. And you, you can feel it. And, and, again, going back to the quarterback, Derek Carr, he was asked after the game how nice and how much fun is it to actually watch the defense. And it was like he kind of took a, a whiff of the sweetest aroma you could imagine or dipped himself into some healing waters and was just like, yes, that's all I'll say. Just yes, it's nice to watch the defense because they'll take the lead and then all of a sudden, in baseball terms, they'll get a shutdown inning, right? The defense will give them a, oh, it's fourth down. We get to go back on the field with the lead. Awesome. So that energy and that vibe and that spirit is all kind of fed upon itself uh, through these first two games, which they need to keep it going uh, week three because, like I said, they should blow this Dolphins team out. But if they don't and if they lose, well, then it's kind of the same old thing, right? Uh, <laughs> we'll see exactly how they respond. The look and the reaction uh, of Derek Carr when that question was asked about him, the yes that he said, uh, that's pretty much my reaction when my mom uh, <laughs> cooks her chicken parmesan. I'm just saying, like, it's just a... Exactly. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, it's, okay. it's, like, it's like when The Rock, it's like when The Rock in WWE would take a, take that deep breath and go, finally! You know, <laughs> right. that's, that's what yeah. it was like, was taking that deep breath. That was Derek Carr at the podium that day. Yeah, because there were some other thoughts going through his head. It's like, it's about time, uh, you know, that that uh, yeah. had a defense like this before. But uh, definitely worth the wait, it seems. And, and like Paul says, it has to uh, it has to keep going. But there's no reason to think, short of major injuries, uh, that it won't. I actually expect him to get a little bit better as the season goes on. All right, uh, Paul, last question. Um, Henry Ruggs. The last couple of weeks, uh, toward the end of the Baltimore game, uh, came alive a little bit with a with a big pass completion or reception, uh, and then Sunday, um, not just the sixty one yard touchdown pass, although that was great. Uh, he was also involved um, earlier in the game on on some throws. How big is his emergence, along with Brian Edwards uh, as well, in the whole scheme of things for what the Raiders are trying to do? Huge, because he, they have to show that he's not just some decoy. He's not just out there to take the top off of the defense. Um, comparisons, you hate comparisons, but it's easy to kind of compartmentalize and realize what they're talking about. You know, the Raiders wanted him to be Cliff Branch. And if you look at Cliff's first few years, it took him a while to get going. But the difference was Cliff also had a Hall of Famer kind of mentoring him in Fred Belitnikoff. Henry's trying to figure this thing out on his own going forward. Um, but it's huge, and I think it's really interesting to see that Early on, he was getting some short passes before he took the top off the defense and he took off going 22 miles an hour down the field, uh, which is what they drafted him to do. And it all just comes back to me, a conversation I had with Mark Davis last year. He said, that was the only guy I really wanted in the draft. And uh, that was his seal of approval. We all know who his best friend was, Cliff Branch. And uh, you kind of go from there. So um, he's showing that he's not just a speedster. He's a football player. And uh, I, I really want to see some more things. I want to see him get a bubble screen. I want to see him take a slant right across the middle and take off. You know, those old Tim Brown type plays. So it's going to be real interesting to see his development and his continued maturation in terms of football. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting because there were three completely different wide receivers uh, and a fourth, if you want to throw in Justin Jefferson for the Minnesota Vikings, that all had various different skill sets. But 
Um, you know, and, and they would have been okay taking any of those guys. There's some really good yeah. wide receivers from that group last year. But for what they had already on the roster, it did make sense to bring in a speed guy like Henry Ruggs. He might not put up the spectacular numbers uh, as, as a Justin Jefferson, but I don't think it was really designed to do that. I think it was designed to fit in with Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and then obviously hope that Brian Edwards comes along too. So it was putting a, a, a puzzle together, and he was a piece that they really needed that brought a specific uh, skill set to it. So, um, you know, I know he's always yeah. going to be compared to Justin Jefferson and Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb, but in his own way, uh, he could have – as big an impact on his team as those guys have on their others, but we'll see. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Thanks, we Paul. really appreciate it. Uh, tell everyone where they could go get uh, the book um, if these walls could talk. Triumphbooks.com uh, and any Amazon, any bookstore, any of your fine bookstores, they, they would have it as well. <laughs> the fine right. bookstores, right? I like it. <laughs> the fine ones. Yeah. Only the maybe, it's angry, maybe it's the Angry Crab later. Might, in the might even have some a, copies of the Angry Crab. We got everything else, right? <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, okay. Paul. Uh, you guys can follow him at P. Gutierrez, ESPN. He's one of the best in the business, Paul. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Thank Paul. Much. Thanks for having me, guys. Talk to you later. Right. You got it. That's Paul Gutierrez from ESPN and the co-author of uh, a book he and Lincoln Kennedy wrote, uh, If These Walls Could Talk. And, and yes, it is about the Raiders uh, and their illustrious history and uh, Lincoln's um, you know memories of, of his time uh, with memories the Raiders. Yes, the corner exactly. Of my mind. <laughs> you are in the huddle with Vinnie Monsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Wednesday. No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. We're going to go right out to the listener line. Raider Thaddeus 502, I love saying that name, uh, is on the line. How you doing, Raider Thaddeus 502? Hey, man, you got me blushing, man. Thanks for having me, uh, Vinny and Lincoln. First, I wanted to do something unorthodox as a Raiders Uh-oh. fan and give a shout-out to a KC fan named Sam Broberg. He's marrying my mom and moving her to KC, and I'm looking forward to our friendly rivalry for years to come. But the reason I'm calling is to express how impressed I am with this team. Normally I have hopes for the season, and almost none of them come true, and maybe there are even some disasters along the way. But this season they all seem to be coming to fruition. we got Ruggs and Edwards showing out. you got our defense putting pressure on the QB and as depth. Our secondary looks great. And you got guys at all three levels of the defense speaking uh, Gus's gospel like apostles so um what i just wanted to say is you guys think uh this is the best roster you've seen since we made it to the super bowl because it sure does look that way uh to me and uh, much love and respect and thanks guys congratulations to your mom and uh your your new uh i guess stepdad uh i guess i guess uh it is uh and um, um here's to uh many f- uh, fun years uh giving it back and forth uh to your uh kansas to the new kansas city chief family member that you have but lincoln i mean i i i, I can't go that far i i don't know to be honest with you I'd, I'd be speaking out of my ear um if i made that proclamation but i can say this it's the best Raider roster uh, that, that I can remember uh, within the last five years. And that, that even goes back to the 2016 team. I've looked at that team. It, it was a pretty good team. Um, it sounded like it was a really opportunistic kind of a defense that got a lot of turnovers. Statistically, it wasn't all that great. We'll see how uh, that all shakes out uh, uh, this year. But, 
I, I just feel from, from a youth standpoint, from a foundational standpoint, from a, a salary cap standpoint, uh, to, to the coaching standpoint, um, you know, just where they are on both sides of the ball, the quarterback, uh, where he is, um, a Darren Waller. To me, they didn't have a dynamic player like a Darren Waller on that 26 team, and it's been a long time since they've ever really had a player of that caliber. So, yeah, this is – I felt coming into the season that this was by far the best roster that they had to work with in quite some time, Lincoln. Well, I mean, I agree with you. And, you know, in reflection back to that 2002 roster – now, I know that, you know, 2001 was the tuck rule game, and some people argued that we did make our roster better in 2002. And just, I'm thinking about it, we had Sam Adams and John Perella as defensive tackles, Bill Romanowski, um, who was it? I think it was Tony Bryant and Dolores Grant, Dolores Grant, uh, who had a number of sacks, but a very opportunistic defense. Um, Eric Barton was one of the linebackers. Charles Woodson was one of the corners. Rod Woodson was one of the safeties. So, and Torrey James was the other corner. So, I mean, I think that we had, we had a, a pretty good defense. And some would have argued the roster was better than the 2001 team that, uh, or, or even the 2000 team that lost to the Ravens in the AFC Championship. So, um, you know, with that being said, again, it's it's still early. We got to see how they play, but it's it's definitely a good thing to know that you 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 you, you beat two good teams or two playoff bound teams of last year. You know what I mean? So that's that that was that that's definitely a, a benefit to what we've seen so far of the defense. But they've got they they still got a long way to go. It's a lot of games to be played, but right now it's, it's definitely impressive. Yep, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Wednesday. When we get back, uh, I want to give a little bit of credit to Mike Mayock and and, and in conjunction with John Gruden, because uh, I go back to the offseason and, um, you know, we talked about this a lot. To me, it made a lot of sense. To me, a lot of what they've done has made sense. Have they hit everything? No, nobody does. Um, I just saw a stat, Lincoln, uh, and we'll talk about it a little bit more, of everybody that the Vikings, Minnesota Vikings brought in, rookies, undrafted rookies, the whole nine yards this year. Not one player played a single snap uh, in their game Sunday um, against, I think it was the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, you know, when, when that starts happening, you got to start looking around, but that's definitely not going on with the Raiders. In fact, a lot of things that they've done has made sense is why they are in the position that they are right now. You're in the huddle with Vinny Boston and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila and Bachner. 